1: Hello and welcome to Tuesday's edition of the Terra Scottish Football Podcast, coming to you on a Tuesday, not a Monday, because we had, quite frankly, an amazing feast over three days of the Scottish Cup, the world's best cup competition, that's a fact, and it was, simply put, a class weekend. To discuss the four magnificent games, I am joined by two guys called Craig. Hello to Craig Fowler. Hello. And hello to Craig Anderson. Hello. And that is definitely the first time we tried this. So it's all good. (laughs) Obviously, four games to to talk through is going to be the main thing we're going to be talking about. Uh, Actually, it's the only thing we're going to be talking about. I think we'll just as well get into it because there was a lot of talking points across all four games. We're going reverse order. Last night saw Kamarnock crash out on penalties to St Mirren. Just how angry are you, Craig Anderson?
2: Less angry than I would have been if I was in the stadium. I have a feeling um, it's, it's two years in a row we've we've suffered a very similar um, elimination from the competition, and I have to admit to being much much angrier last year when we we lost to Aberdeen. Um, and yeah, very, very similar circumstances except that we didn't actually get to the penalty shootout because we managed to concede twice in um, the last two minutes of the game rather than just once um, to 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 um, round things off. It's a major missed opportunity, as bad as Kelly are, that that cup was, was still, I felt, winnable. Um, I don't think we could have beaten Hibs, but maybe someone else could have beaten Hibs, and I think we 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 had the half chance. As much as we've lost every game to St. Johnston this season, they've all been narrow.
0: Craig, Craig you definitely could have beaten Hibs, because you would have had Kyle Lafferty playing against Hibs.
2: Well, well, that's true. I'm just going on the basis that we've, we've not beaten Hibs and... It feels like a long time at this point, but yeah, yeah, which is exactly it, right? how
1: you would get beat him. exactly, exactly. <laughs>
2: that. that plus Kyle Lafferty equals uh, victory, but at the same time, this team is not good enough. You saw that, you saw the limitations of it laid bare last
1: night. Um, Craig, do you think you would have been in the semi final draw had you had someone in goals with functioning hands? Basically, yeah. would you have been in the semi final if you'd picked Danny Rogers instead?
2: Yeah, we would have been, in, and it came round to. I mean, I mean, listening to the top twelve goalkeepers podcast that, that you did, and, and you know, talking about you know when Rogers came back from injury and had to kind of message you and Joel in the chat to say you know he's been fit for two or three weeks, he's been on the bench, and you were both flabbergasted as as I have been, to be honest. That you could, under, I think, I think the reason he's picked Doyle was because he likes a big, commanding, dominant goalkeeper, which in theory is what Colin Doyle is. It's not what he actually is, whereas Rogers Despite clearly being much better, is is maybe a wee bit um, reluctant to come for crosses and stuff like that. But being reluctant to come for crosses is better than throwing them into your own net, which is what we <laughs> saw. And then yeah, it, it was it was a uh, it was all the kind of chickens coming coming home to roost basically with Colin Doyle last night. I'd shared a video on on last weekend from the Dundee or last midweek from the Dundee United game where we were three 0 up already. Where he comes and gathers a ball and stands up and immediately collides with his own player and drops it. Unfortunately, Dundee United didn't score from that. But these things have been happening all the time. It's not like an isolated incident of him, him being a bit shit. It's been his entire career in Scottish football. And, and then it kind of was capped off with, with a, a pathetic performance in the penalty show. I think I talked uh, to, was it with you, Duncan, about um, Stryjek from, I was with Robert Bothwick about Stryjek from Livingston. Um, and how a goalkeeper, you know, people saying a goalkeeper can only be a hero in a shootout, and again, Doyle was another one who proved that wrong. Literally, first four got nowhere near them, and the last one, he, he dived out the way of it. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a fair summary of. Come on, next night, um, Fowler. How, how should we get? Should we be given credit to Saint Mirren, or are they just you happy? Are they just the willing uh, winners of? Uh, Come on, chucking
0: it. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, I think St. Martin started the game the, the, the better side, but then Kelly kind of really came back into it. They scored twice before half time. He kind of a much better team in the second half. And it wasn't until Jim Goodwin made a couple of changes. He, he took off uh, both his forwards. I think, not. if it, not at the same time, then and certainly they're quite close to each other. And there was an improvement from there, uh, but I still thought that the the better team in terms of playing football, <laughs> the better team in terms of everything else that happens on the park instead of goalkeepers. That's what I, I was trying. That's a really <laughs> weird way of putting it, but basically what I'm trying to say is you can say Kelly was a better team last night, but a really kind of important part of a football team is a goalkeeper. And St Mern have a good one and Kilmarnock don't. And I do think, though, to a certain extent, that Colin Doyle... Eh, I mean no amount of like actually no I'm going to blame him for the second one as well like obviously the first one's just an absolute disaster it's so bread and butter for a goalkeeper and at the same time it wasn't a surprise uh, the BBC commentary team uh, were making it out like it was a surprise uh, but I think that's just what commentary teams tend to do Where they're just kind of overly positive towards the players I think if you've watch Colin Doyle in Scottish football we, you would not say that 99 times at 100 he would catch that cross <laughs> uh, unless they'd be watching him in training but uh, certainly, in Scott, uh, certainly when he's played in competitive games he, he's not caught crosses like that 99 times out of 100 uh, they've not often gone in the back of the net like that but uh, some have uh, I read this free kick that David Turnbull score uh, for Motherwell uh, against Hearts uh, was obviously the one that really sticks out the second one as well the, the, the 119th minute that the penalty conceded I mean, on the one hand, he doesn't really deserve any sort of criticism, and you neither know, does Ross Millen, uh, because it's a horrendous refereeing decision, uh, like so bad. Like even in the, I think he was wrong in the other penalty as well, Don Robertson, but that one's a bit more forgivable. It's kind of a bang bang play. It's it's easy enough to to make a mistake. I thought with the, the Millen one, it was maybe just his angle was it a poor one, but every angle that I could see. It just looks so obvious that Colin Doyle had taken the ball first. But where he does deserve some criticism is that if he gathers that ball cleanly, as he should, the referee's not giving a penalty because he just thinks the goalie's got it. The goalie comes up with the ball in his hands. You can never give a penalty for that. You know the goalie's got there first because he's he's got the football and that the ball was there to be won. But it's because it bobbles up in this weird way because he can't collect it on the first goal, then...
1: It I still, doubt, it gives, well, gives, gives Robertson, Don Robertson, the referee yes a, a reason to doubt what's happened, what, yes. what he might or uh, not. not to, think,
0: to think that something else has happened rather than what actually did. Um, so there is, he does actually deserve criticism for that. I was going <laughs> to defend him a little bit, defends a little bit in that I don't think it was necessarily the wrong thing uh, to come for the ball, uh, but because he did get there, uh, it's just that. He should have just gathered it when he did. I mean, I don't it's it's handling one oh one. Like it's just it's, so also, bad. it's
1: also the last minute of the game of which you're down to ten men through injury as well. Like the yeah, circumstances I mean, I could not M- be
0: I think Ross Millen also should have emptied it in the stands as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, I
2: think I think it's you talked about him not gathering a ball cleanly. He never gathers a ball cleanly. It doesn't matter if it's like a trickled shot coming to him at, at ten miles an hour, he just doesn't he doesn't gather a ball cleanly. It's not something he does. And yeah, it, it wasn't a penalty, um, but I think, as, as you say, Ross Millen must know that Colin Doyle's shit. So just, just get rid of the ball. Don't put any doubt in um, in anyone's mind with it. And it yeah, Kelly had defended quite well, as you say, down to ten men through through no fault of her own, really, um, in that respect. And it's it was a good performance, not a good performance, but a solid performance. And, and you know, a graft no no forward on the park, and we did well to you know. Limits at Mirren and then it's it's so annoying to lose a goal like that. Although, as you say, Craig, the, the penalty that we got wasn't one either,
1: and we were. I suppose the 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 shock news was beforehand uh, that the Cal wasn't playing, and yet it dominated mo- much of the game without their you know the, uh, too much of a cliche to to call him talismanic. Was was but was there anyone else on the pitch aside from uh, the fact that we've given? Doyle an absolute kicking. Who who impressed you last night because it was still a, a relatively, relatively interesting and entertaining cup tie
2: um, I thought it was a return to fun for Yusuf Malumbu actually um, I think if he hadn't gone off I think we would have won the game as well um, he obviously picked up a knock um, or, or I mean, maybe he didn't. Maybe he was going off anyway, and he was just wasting time. I don't know, but um, I think he was played really well, and I thought Mitch Pennock was excellent. Um, and down the left, um, definitely a player who didn't deserve to be on the losing side. I think generally what you saw it's a, it's a kind of classic thing. The team's really low in confidence, and then Kyle Lafferty comes in and gives them the lift in confidence. And then even when he's not there, the other players can still, you know carry on none of them there's, there's good players in that team there's some shit ones as well but there's good players there who are capable and, and I think you saw that I think pretty much everyone from an attacking point of view did their job Um, the, the midfield was okay uh, Malumbu played well I thought Power had a, an okay game and then it was the defence that was a problem as well to be honest um, Kurt, Kurt Broadfoot had, had a terrible game I thought um, even before kind of the second goal so yeah, it was a it was a real mixed bag, I think. But but the attacking players can be really pleased. Um, George Oakley, the the shift he put in, he's, he's not Kyle Lafferty. He's not we're nowhere near as good as Kyle Lafferty. But he played the role in roughly the same way, and, and he obviously does set up Kelty for for the goal. So it's yes, yeah, it's, it's just disappointing all round that I think Kelly, I feel probably deserved to win, but couldn't.
1: Fowler, <laughs> was anyone, oh, we, we we haven't really talked that much about Saint Mirren, but it, kind of there by the grace of God, go, go I I suppose uh, as a performance, was anyone that was that that stood out for you, or was it just a, basically a team that got themselves through to the semi? Which no, no. You know, it's still for them is a, an achievement to to make two semi finals in in one season. For no, no. yeah, well, I mean, I admittedly a... that's when the you're the fourth best team in the country, that's where you should be. But um.
0: I thought there was a few decent performances. Um, Yeah, like I said, I don't think either of the front two played well. Erwin and Dennis uh, were both pretty mints, to be honest. Jamie McGrath, I don't think really uh, had one of his better games. Doyle Hayes was a wee bit dodgier than eight ways passing that you used to see for him. But uh, I had to look this up because I'd already forgotten his name, but Jay Henderson. I think uh, the 19-year-old uh, impressed on the right wing. Uh, somebody, kind of what you like to see from a young winger when they first come into the team. Somebody who looks like they're brimming with kind of confidence and enthusiasm, and just want to get the ball run and, and put crosses into the box. He played well. I thought Richard. I thought both fullbacks played well, uh, despite the team shipping three goals. Marcus Fraser on the on the left, Richard Tate on the right. Both just getting forward uh, as much as possible. Tate always sling, slinging balls in the penalty area. They played well. Um, the defence... It's weird. Both throwbacks had good games. Both setbacks really didn't have good games. Uh, Joe Shaughnessy made up for it with the, the equalising goal at the end, but he was certainly at fault for one of the goals, probably at fault for both Conor McCarthy, certainly at fault for the the second one where he doesn't really get out to, to Kilty quickly enough. They So it wasn't like... I mean, I, I don't think that... Killy were the better side for me and it's it's a little bit harsh on them but there wasn't a, a whole lot I don't think it was like a massive gulf between the sides and simran i mean they were a decent enough side this season uh, and missed out on the on the league cup final with probably one of their their poorer performances in in 2021 so kind of maybe it's I mean, Kelly have been kind of rubbish for ages, so maybe, maybe in the kind of grand scheme of things, maybe, oh, I don't know what Craig would disagree, but maybe in the grand scheme of things, it's good that St. Burnham maybe get themselves that other chance and to show that they can kind of play better on the stage. I mean, they'll have to play better than they did at Rugby Park, but it, it gives also... you kind of, I did wonder about St. Burnham after failing to make the top six whether the season would just completely peter out, and I think they've done very well in the game recently against Ross County, where I, I thought it was an absolute stick-on that, that Ross County would win. It's, you know, it's not long before a big game for St Mirren. Uh, they're having to go, you know, away for home in midweek. They don't have anything to play for. I just thought they would basically turn it up to make the numbers. They go a goal down, you think thinking, well, that's it. And then they come back. So it shows that they're still, you know, despite the, the disappointment of not making top six, there's still a lot of kind of fight and dig in this team. And now that they have a, a cup semi-final to look forward to, you got to fancy them to to end the season. And at least a competitive note, maybe not a high, because a high, high will from this stage basically be winning it and because they're in the bottom six there's not really anything they could do there that would be anything special but at least not let their campaign peter out because you always kind of worry about teams that do that I think I've brought this up a few times Parag Thistle uh, are a very good example of that or of a team that kind of stopped playing before the end of the campaign and then that kind of bled into the next one and when you're a club like St Mirren, or not even necessarily like St Mirren, I mean fucking hearts up to them uh, where if you don't arrest a, a slide before the end of the campaign then you could be in trouble going into the next season
1: yeah, I think that that th- those are fair points and they will be in the semi-final and all Saints semi-final they will be playing St. Johnston after St. Johnston did the improbable I think it's fair to say by defeating Rangers on Sunday evening uh, at Ibrox uh, 1-0 after extra time and then uh, just a perfect set of penalties from St. Johnston uh Craig Fowler how think- how much of a, how, how much of a shock was this for you? you might have been burying the lead there
0: Xander <laughs> fucking Clark man
1: <laughs> I know I thought you were going to say Chris Kane scored a goal <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, um, I mean yeah it's just phenomenal really wasn't it At the, the end of this game it's just something where it's it's so outrageous and something so unpredictable and just one of the reasons why one of the main reasons why you love football is that when you're I'm glad there wasn't work in this game because trying to put that into some sort of... Coherent. <laughs> into some sort of sentence that does it justice. Like, I don't know if there's words been invented yet that could... or they probably have been invented in the past, but they've just been too overused in football. Like, words like unbelievable or incredible. Because that was literally, you know, a, a goalkeeper. I, I thought he'd scored. I think a lot of people thought he'd scored to start with. Uh, and even still, like, the goal doesn't happen without his header. And... It's, I mean, the point's been made several times, but to, to not mark the the six foot odd luminous green man with shaggy, with like kind of quite high, kind of red hair, and a looking like the of, kid from
1: Jumanji basically. yeah, and a very
0: long beard as well. I mean, he's quite a striking looking man in, in Scottish football, as Xander Clark. And not to mark him was just
2: wild. But have, have you ever Maybe. seen that video? Yeah. Um, it's like the guys passing about the basketball and they're t- asking you to count how many passes they make. And then um, there's a wolf, across, and yeah. there's like a clown walks right through the background <laughs> of the footage while it's going on. It was exactly like that. It's like they're all so focused on like everything else happening around them. It's like they fail to notice the the big
1: enormous giant appearing. And let's be honest, like in our, it's such a rare thing to happen in in our football. And like every time a keeper goes up, it. Probably what ninety eight percent of the time ends in disappointment. Either the ball doesn't clear the first man, or you know it just doesn't go anywhere near them and stuff. So to see it actually happen that the, the goalkeeper actually made a positive contribution whilst going into the for, uh, going into the penalty box uh, was was absolutely amazing. And then yeah, what followed was even better.
0: I often hate it when a goalie goes above. I often think it's so stupid because it it pretty you, much it pretty much happens. Me. It pretty much happens all the time when it's a a game in like the 90th odd minute and a team's a goal down. I think it's worthwhile if you have a goalkeeper that might be good in the air. Like, I know that's a hard thing to judge, but coaches will, will. They'll have an idea. I mean, I'm sure it, sometimes it, you know, some,
1: it. there are some goalkeepers who are clearly f- footballers as well as goalkeepers. Yeah, yeah, if that exactly. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And you're i are not sticking Andy gore on that front.
0: Aye, and I think it's worth it for them if it's a guy who's particularly good, gets a particularly good leap. Uh, it's you know, you've seen for to likes Jordan a Muck about. He's good at heading the ball, or whatever. I think that makes sense. What annoys me a lot of the time is that they send up like a goalkeeper who's clearly like absolute garbage at football, <laughs> and because you still need to have somebody on like the halfway line and it's usually like two players on the halfway line in case the ball gets punted away and you want to stick it back in the box again you'd much rather that be the goalkeeper and have one of them in the Bentley box because yeah fair enough a goalkeeper might have a better chance of winning a header than say like a 5 foot 8 right back but if the ball drops the goalkeeper in the box you definitely don't want that happening I remember it happened in a Celtic Harts game one time Craig Gordon went up late in the game and it dropped him at the far post and behind him was Scatchel and Pospisil, like the two best finishers at the club. If he doesn't touch it, one of them probably scores and we equalise against Celtic and that famous, uh, the 3-2 game with Steve McBarris scored twice. But instead, Craig Gordon tries to take a shot in the turn and, and puts it past the post. Because of course he fucking does. He was trying to do it with his right foot as well. Which uh, and But this, but fair enough, I mean, this time, I mean, Xander Clark does kind of look like the kind of guy who... I mean he's bigger and posing uh, And he certainly got up well Not that he had to really Because Nobody was marking him And it's a decent enough header I think it might have been Heading wide Or at least off the post So while You can say that Oh Chris Kane's Final Sport put in I'm not entirely certain It was definitely going to be a goal Without Chris Kane's intervention.
2: Chris Kane also doesn't know Anything about it <laughs> It just hits him Um but, but yeah, it was it was funny because I was what well, I was out on Sunday. So I was watching this game on delay, and we've got a friend, um, a family friend whose husband is a St. Johnston fan, and they've just said a, a, a wee girl. I don't know if yeah, I might actually listen to this in which case, congratulations. But um the she had put up a picture on Facebook, I think it was, of him um of sort of the wee girl wearing like a St. Johnston thing saying is she a lucky charm. And Lindsay showed it to me and was like, Oh, that's a cute picture. And, and completely spoiled the the game for me but then I'm like oh maybe she's posted this like halfway through the game so I was like I don't know for sure and then it went 1-0 and I thought alright probably Rangers have still won and then that that corner came in and I thought oh oh, I saw his saw under Clark and I'm like oh this could be interesting um, and, and it was interesting but thoroughly deserved for St. Johnston I thought um, I I, I um, annoyed Tony Anderson with this on the chat but I think currently St. Johnston are the third best team in the country I think they are a fantastic football team um, at the moment and I would put them as favourites to win the cup. I think that... As uh, a
1: Hibs fan, I, I absolutely concur. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but I just think the the way that they are set up, the way that the Davidson's got them playing at the moment and um, they've just got, they've got so many dangerous players and, you, and you've got every single player in that team knows exactly what they're doing. Even when they don't necessarily have the best individual game. And I think you could point to a couple of them, Stevie May, for one. Um, when they don't do what they're there to do necessarily, they still do the bit for the team. He's still grafted away, you know, every time he got on the ball, it seemed to go wrong for him. But um, it still worked out, Melamed likewise. And you've got guys like Rooney and you see that they desire a Rooney 120th minute to get down there and win that corner um, and stuff like that. It's just, I, I am... If the season started in about November, I think St. Johnson would have finished third. Um, I think the way that, that Davidson's got them going at the moment, and I think he is not going to be the St. Johnson manager for very long, because I think he's very impressive as a as a coach and a person, and I think they will struggle to keep him, even with his connections there. And so I thought on the balance of it, to be honest, it's the best the best I've seen anyone play against Rangers in a long time, and, and I think they thoroughly deserved it. Much more so like St. Mirren, when they beat Rangers in the League Cup, they, they played well, but it was they probably they probably rode the luck a wee bit. I don't think St. Johnson really did ride the luck. They had a, it was a good goalkeeping performance from, from Clark, certainly, but not like it wasn't like, you know, Andy Gorham against Celtic in the mid nineties. Twice he's been mentioned in this podcast. Um
1: Andy Gorham it just, revival.
2: It was just a good um a good performance from him. And and yes, yeah, so I I thought they I thought they deserved massive amounts of credit. I thought they were they were really good.
1: I think that I think what you're saying about Davidson is right. I think there's been a progression throughout the season with his team and he's he is getting his players to do the things that he wants them to And that they're clear clearly know how to ex- execute what they're doing. And the fact of the matter is they they took the game to Rangers on on Sunday. They, they didn't they didn't um you know sit, sit back and wait for it. The the way that they set up, you know, the the, the three go into five at, at the back when when needs to be and stuff like that. And then you just have that perfect balance between between the midfield three of, of waman Craig and and McCann um and then you do you just have absolute grafters that want to come off the bench and uh, and and do the work which is remarkable the, 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 it seems to be quite an uh, an less team which is uh, you know I suppose it's kind of a reflection of the manager as well
0: I was I was I had to be hugely impressed with St Johnson johns the defensive setup was pretty much perfect, and uh, the game the game plan was just right down to a t. It was actually ex- players deserve credit because it was executed very well. And without the the industry and just the, the incredible work ethic of guys like Ali McCann and Stevie May, Stevie May like at one point like was at his own you know goal line basically his own touch line, uh, putting the ball. Out for a corner, had he having chased down Joe Rebo? Like he had done that quite a few times, where he was like racing back and was almost part of the defensive line. There was so much work put into it, but the game plan itself was perfect every time. So there were the two guys up front. So there were tracked runners going forward, but they were also putting managed to seem to be in two places at once quite a lot. They were putting pressure on the on the Ranger centre backs and more key Stephen Davis. So he didn't have his usual influence in the game. Then when Rangers would try and get through that press by going to the, the fullbacks, as I like to do, they obviously use their fullbacks a lot. They're two, they're maybe first and second in terms of crosses in the league this season. Uh, every time they got the ball, they were having to kind of knock it back because they would have either Scott Tanzer or Sean Rooney on the other side right up them Like as soon as they touched it. And then when Rangers try to play through, they, they would find a way of dealing with that as well because... You'd get those areas where Ryan Kent and Giannis Hadji like to operate in between midfield and defence of the opposition. Anytime that happened, Liam Craig was already kind of that area anyway. You would have typically McCann running back to help. And the centre-halves were, were quite aggressive in pushing up because there was three of them, so they had to do that. Like One of the, like one of them pushed up to help close that space. You still had two looking after Morelos and, and whoever the other Rangers attacker was. So they just kind of suffocated... Anytime a, a Ranger striker got the ball in that area. And it was just I mean, if you're putting down a, a blueprint for how to beat Rangers, I think that's that's one to go forward. Now
2: the use not, of the ball though as well, Craig, when they when they got the ball back, it wasn't just let like, it's humph this clear. Yeah. They they tried to play out every time.
0: And also, like, I mean, you do have to say that Probably shouldn't get ahead of ourselves and say, OK, this is the way to beat Rangers, because there's, there's things that Rangers should have done differently. Um, I don't know if you want well, to go into the, that now.
1: It didn't feel like there was the same intensity as the, uh, as has been. I mean, I don't think they were terrible. I just don't think they were quite as relentless as they have been.
0: Well, the way I get around what I'm kind of saying is that you get Tanzer and... It, sorry, you get in and Tavernier, Tavernier especially, you get him doing give and goes so he can get in behind the wing back. And that was the space to attack. Because if the wing backs are pushing up, that means that you can get in behind them. You either get space down the, the flank to get across or you can draw a defender out of space. And then that kind of can maybe create a kind of house of cards scenario where the whole kind of defensive structure comes tumbling down. They didn't do that. Uh, they also didn't really, Ryan Kent done it once or twice. But then another thing they could have done was just have a kind of somebody acting as an out-and-out winger to attack that space as well. But Kent likes to operate inside. Giannis Hadji, he's always going to float around the kind of number 10 area. He's not going to really attack the wings too much. I think it may, have, may have, been, would have been a bit of a better choice to have Joe Rebo in, in that situation or just have an actual winger at the club who's any good instead I of... Thought,
2: I thought he not. No, he wasn't playing as a winger. When Scott Wright came on, he, he gave them something a wee bit different. Yeah. I, I think... Um, he looked more dangerous than, than any of the rest of them, to be honest, in that period. I think it was a mistake to take uh, take Morelos off as well. Um, I think he had played pretty well.
0: Yeah, and k Roof's not in good form at the moment as well. As
1: witnessed by his penalty. Yeah, rubbish. <laughs> in, in the shootout. Um, do we have anything we want more want to say on that uh, fixture? Uh, we could t- talk a little bit about
0: the kind of criticism that Gerrard received for this. It seems to be a kind of lot of people... Are kind of talking about this like, oh, all of a sudden, Gerard's got. I mean, he kind of almost said it himself, but the Gerard's got a problem in cup competitions. Like, I, I don't think you can say that when for three yeah. years in a row he's made it to the the group stages of the Europa League. Two of those years where they had to win four ties in order to get there. I think he they failed before in Scottish football, but I think it's just a case of Rangers weren't that good then. They were they were better than the rest under Gerard, but they weren't good enough to be champions. Uh, even in seasons where Celtic might have been a little bit weaker I still think, don't think they were necessarily good enough to be champions this team have been they've had a couple of very poor games I think this one it, it's possibly to do with the fact that the league's wrapped up already and that they have let standards slip a little and it's hard to turn that switch on and off I think
2: and, they've, been, they've been poor throughout 2021 to be honest yeah I think they've, they've really, you know, they, they probably had the same kind of hangover that they had last season, but just nobody else was able to take advantage of it. This time. You know, The last two years, they've come back in the second half of the season. A lot of it's to do with the intensity, as you say, Duncan, they play with high intensity and that does tire players out over the season. You've seen that with, they, they always talk about it with Bielsa's teams um, and, and a guy that, you know, not that the errors teams or anything like that, but you know what I mean? It's the same energy and stuff.
0: It certainly happened a few times at Spurs with Pochettino.
2: Yeah. And you just get in. And so it's kind of like, it's a gamble. Are you building up enough kind of ahead of steam at the start of the season that you can kind of run on empty for the last few weeks? They, they ultimately timed it right. And of course, had this um, had this been a normal season, you have been talking about the cup semi final right about now. And, and maybe, in fact, the, the cup final was meant to be next weekend actually. Um, <laughs> maybe that's different because obviously it doesn't matter how tired you are, you're going to be up for a cup final unless you're. Walter Smith's team from two thousand and eight, who had played about a billion games, which which they haven't. Um, so so maybe maybe there is an an element to which you can say well that that's it's a strategy that they've had that's maybe backfired for a number of reasons. But I think I think some of the criticism valid in the sense that their record in the cups is not good enough, and it's not like they've always gone out. They've not they've always gone out against Celtic, is it? They have lost to um, the last three. It's been Hart, St Mirren, in, and Saint Johnston. Um, that
0: uh, oh yeah. yeah sorry sorry
2: yeah um and so I was thinking that through my head before I was talking and I was I actually planned that point and then I was <laughs> like uh, I'm not I've not made a mistake anyway ever but um and none I mean the the hearts team that beat them w- was a mess and barely won another game the Saint John the Saint team that beat them went in great form at the time and then um yeah Saint Johnson are are playing well and are a good team and. and that was that was the first time I've seen a team in a long time, and that includes Celtic take the game to um, to Rangers to that extent domestically.
1: Yeah, actually, I felt that um, strangely that that St. John'son were more impressive than than Slavia Prague, who knocked Rangers out over those two legs. Uh, 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 that was my impression in terms of it,
0: it. might have something to do with the mindset of a club, and that everybody. I mean, Europe's different, so there's there's probably more pressure on Europe, um, but it might be to do with the fact that. 55 became this all-encompassing thing that they needs to do, or basically well, not actually, 55 was less important than 10, stop the 10, stop that happening and that's been like that the last three seasons, but it's been like that ever since Rangers came back, really, to, to the top flight, and I wonder whether just that kind of it doesn't have to be like a, it's. It's not a conscious thing amongst the players, but it's just that thing that gets into your just gets in your subconscious of if you're if you're caring so much about the the league title and you get over the line and you get the league title, then are you are you not focused or even before you get the league title done, are you not focusing as much on these other games because there's just only so much kind of mental. Like strength you can put into things, but I don't know because well, at the same time the, the way they've dominated in the league this season, like they should be dominating I th- I th- in the cups as well. Because Celtic
1: have done it. I think it's a fair point. I think that I think that there there was probably a, there has been a conditioning at the club and at Celtic. I think of the season that it's to be all about the league, and what happens when you, that is resolved in both cases is that you you fade away because you've 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 reached the summit and then you realize it's all downhill from there whereas obviously the the idea is that you keep seeing summit, you get to the summit and then you've got another one ahead that you've got to build up towards again i think the um, most surprising thing about this one and this is why i have this movie different from the rest is that they
0: they'd learn to win they hadn't learn to win before and now they've learnt to win they've got a league title so i think we expected i think everybody expected rangers to do the double having got the league title
1: well, I mean, there's so many things that were stacked in their favour in terms of how you would think about this game in terms of they knocked Celtic out the last round. It's a home tie. Uh, they, you know, literally,
2: it, And they drew with them, but they've literally played St. Johnston and, and been given a fright, to be honest, in a very similar St. Johnston performance literally a few days before the game. So you'd think what what you talked about, Craig, in terms of things that the Rangers could have done better, well, you'd have thought they would have thought of that. Because they they had the exact same problems against St Johnston three days previously or whatever yeah, it
0: was. It, it seemed that Gerard just thought everyone would be fine because he was playing with a full strength team on this occasion.
2: But but tactically it was you know it was it was more or less the same game. And St. Johnston, if anything, could have won that game in in, in Perth in the league and then and um, and scored in the last minute in that one. And so I think I. I it's obviously a successful season for Rangers, but and, and I know the vote won't won't be held, they will be held before that. But if if Callum Davidson takes St. Johnson to the cup, Gerrard's is no longer the manager of the season, is he? Is he even the manager of the season now? And and that's kind of unthinkable given given what had gone before.
1: I think he, he is at the moment, given the context of the season. But if St. I think Johnson, I mean, again, yeah, it's the last the, the,
0: last sixty of the Europa League as well. We often yeah. kind of forget about it, but I think it that must come into it as well.
2: But Alan Davidson might have taken St. John's to the last 16 <laughs> qualified it wasn't his fault, that
0: was Tommy Wright's fault. No, 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 he would have been knocked out. Because remember, they were pushing August, so they would have been knocked out.
1: <laughs> we'll go on to the third game. And if you were to say, of the eight teams in the, the quarter final who would stroll to victory, I am absolutely certain that Dundee United were probably sitting about seventh or eighth in that order but they absolutely pummeled Aberdeen uh, away from home on uh, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Dundee United fans gave the, the, I'm not sure if you saw this, they gave the team bus a, a TIFO, uh, smoke bombs and stuff like that as they departed from uh, from Tandyce Street, which I thought was was quite nice and was definitely the sort of thing that would in the past have come back to bite Dundee United on the arse. But it didn't this time. Uh, they won 3-0 again, uh, McNulty with two goals and uh, an Edward. Uh goal sandwich in between Craig Anderson did you see that coming
2: no I didn't see it coming in the sense that I didn't see Dundee United having three goals in them but I, feel, I think I did expect Aberdeen to lose because um, I was really unimpressed with them against Livingston um, last weekend I think they were very lucky to get through that game um, just one bad decision from from Nicky Devlin away from being 2-0 down and, and, and out in that game I have severe doubts about Stephen Glass um, immediately to be honest uh, just, just everything about him and Dundee United.
1: Just everything about him. Everything about
2: him no, even though, yeah, he doesn't look like a manager, um, which is a terrible thing to say. Um,
1: a, that is a very your dad opinion. Yeah, yeah. um,
2: but the. Dundee United, what they are good at for all their faults is taking advantage of weaknesses. If teams have weaknesses, they know how to exploit them and by by God, did they exploit them. Um, Mark Mark McNulty, a player who I've criticised quite a lot on here, I thought he was fantastic. He, he had such a great game. Uh, strong commanding physically as well and then and then two excellent finishes for his goals um, and, and, and generally, that's the first time that front three I've seen I mean, you, you've probably seen them more than I have, Craig, but the that's the first time I've seen that front three of uh, McNulty, Shankland, and Clark actually work, and and all three of them were, were excellent. Uh, Ian Harkes had a had a really strong game in the middle of the park. Um, yeah, I mean you could you could go through the team to be honest, and and um, and they they were just man for man better than Aberdeen across the pitch. The Aberdeen defensive performance was abysmal. Um, Just before the game, I was out out a walk and I was listening to the best centre-backs podcast where um, where Craig and Joe were kind of talking about them. And and Craig had kind of made the point, I think, about Tommy Holbin and how he'd regressed over the season. You saw that. And then Considine, I think, has had a really poor season in general. Um, I would be now, now, surely, I would, can't imagine them going to the Euros even with the squad being expanded it's like surely not like a guy that's getting absolutely torn to shreds by that Dundee United front three surely can't be you know a couple of injuries away from facing England at the European Championships
0: I have three words for you guys Ash motherfucking Taylor <laughs> <laughs> no but a wee bit of sympathy with Constantine, uh, not Hobin, because he gets absolutely roasted for the third goal, and it's a really poor uh, defensive play from him. He seems to I don't know why. He seems to get spooked and then overcommits to McNulty dropping deep to to do the kind of give and go with Harks. And I don't know why, because it's the danger's obviously much more in behind. Like just let him let him drop off, let him take that touch. What's the, what's the worst that's gonna happen for there? The worst that's gonna happen is that you run to him, he runs in the other direction, and he's quicker than you. And he's away and it's, it's a goal and you've you've fucked it. But I have a little bit of sympathy with kind of Considine because I think he was often exposed on that side. I think you said, Craig, that the, the front three of Dundee United is that they, the best they've played together. Undoubtedly so. I don't think it's worked at all before then. And I think it worked on this occasion because it really exploited the what Aberdeen were, were given, Dundee United, which was on the left-hand side of... So the play we're back for, on the left-hand side of defence was Johnny Hayes. Now, Johnny Hayes has been at left-back before and, and done a decent job. He did it for Celtic a number of times. He used to do it for Aberdeen uh, in, the, in his first spell. He's done it this season. He's somebody who can defend there, but because in front of him was Florian Camberry, he was to provide the width on that side. So that means that he has to kind of be a bit more attacking than your average full-back. And with McNulty coming in off that side, McNulty never... This was quite impressive for Dundee United in that they have been, and this maybe shows that Mickey Mellon has taken the handbrake off a little. And that even though sometimes they've played with a front three this season and three strikers, there's not been a team that's attacking eh, because two of those strikers have just kind of tracked back and Shanklin's been alone with nobody within, you know, about 50 yards of him. But on this occasion, th- those three guys just basically stayed up the park and they took their chances of, of Hayes and... He's getting down the left, and and Kennedy is as, as a winger getting down the right that they could they could deal with that, and and they did. And because of that, it meant that was Hayes kind of out of position an awful lot. Uh, McNulty had that room uh, down the, the down the side of Considine to make things happen. You saw that with the first goal. You saw that again with the the ball that he played across where Harks was close to getting it at the back post. He maybe should have. In, in hindsight, we should have went himself. But numerous times, even the. Giando Fuchs, chance that he had, he, he could have exploits that space as well. And every single time, you've got a, a back four there that doesn't have a left-back, and, and certainly not a left-back that's tucking in and, and trying to to help protect the centre-halves. And that was just the kind of root cause of Aberdeen getting murdered in defence time and again.
1: Yeah, it's looking like a, a, a tough one for Aberdeen. I think there's a, a huge... Well, I think it's been acknowledged as a huge rebuilding job going there. I just, there's almost a question of where do you start? Because Uh, you
0: start with Scott Brown and you get a lot worse immediately.
2: The the thing thing is for me with that Aberdeen team is Glass can come in and talk about principles and the way he wants to play, but you've not got your squad yet. So why are you trying it? Why are you trying to get guys to play a style of football that they're not capable of? Wait, Wait it out. Play.
1: Especially when you've got so many players that are on expiring deals and stuff yeah. like that, like it's... as much as Eric
2: McInnes, as much as it ended badly, the way he had Aberdeen playing was on the whole fairly successful. They they did win a lot of games. They did tend to beat teams like Dundee United, uh, not this season, of course, but but in general, um, grind it out, get them through to the end of the season, and then you know you're you're probably signing eight or nine new players to, add to this team anyway. Go with it from there. I also thought it was it, the there was probably the the thing that stood out to me was ramsey playing right back. Not that I thought he had an, an awful game or anything like that, like as a young player coming into the team. The decision to loan out Shea Logan um seems very strange in that respect of like as much as he's probably not been great for a couple of years he would have Given a lot more to the team than he did the deal didn't seem to make sense from a Hearts point of view either apart from maybe they, they hope they can sign him for next season and so they're just trying to you know get him on board because obviously Hearts didn't, didn't need him it's um,
0: actually worked surprisingly well for Hearts point of view It's <laughs> allowed, allowed us to play well back three and he's actually played quite well
2: I, I wasn't I didn't think he would play well it's like well Hearts could have signed me to play right back and still have won the league like, didn't. <laughs> um, and, and that was with me actively trying to score for every every championship team apart from United um, but the um, the point I think is that you're making these decisions and they're backfiring on you straight away it's a terrible way to start your career at three games and three games and no wins in, unless you count the, the penalties obviously it would be very easy for him to end up not winning a game until the end of the season, and then he's on he's under pressure straight away, and and it feels an, an unnecessary gamble to take in terms of how you set up your team and stuff like that. It, it just nothing worked out for them at all, and I yeah, as I say, I, I thought it was inevitable. Whoever they brought in, they were going to get get worse in terms of performances, but maybe it's only worse in terms of um, results and stuff like that than mechanics because. It's, it's unsustainable, to be honest, what, what they were doing, but I thought they would be at least entertaining to watch. And they were entertaining to watch for me, but I don't think for the, their own supporters on Sunday. So I think um, and then a big summer ahead, we'll put it that way.
1: Yeah, and then with what happened in the game later on that day, you know, <sighs> Aberdeen still have a decent pedigree, you know, in terms of, you know, that... But they still haven't they have still haven't what they've won one trophy. You know, this is this is the point, is that you know, for all this they've, they've won one trophy this this century. Um, I mean, and, and, and they keep with, seem, they keep squandering opportunities to do well.
2: You could drill off the number of teams who've won the same number of trophies as them in that era where Aberdeen have where they were the second best team in the country for a long time. And yet there's a bunch of teams of have won exactly as many trophies as them. Um, and, and that can't be a good sign. Yeah I think have I, I, a fallow period and if they don't pick up cups during that it's like it's it's a lot of it's a lot of time not to be winning trophies for Aberdeen
1: yeah and and Really, not a lot to show from it as well. I mean, that's they didn't. They, I mean, admittedly, it has been it's been harder and harder for Scottish clubs in in Europe. And and, and to be fair, McInnes did pull off some good results. Uh, at, least, at least, at
0: least, McInnes continually got them to Hamden.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but, that, but that, but that's the issue. But you know, the, the, they're not unlike other clubs that have had slightly. So like, Purple patches or whatever you know, that that's led to something like you. Know, I'm I'm thinking Hibbs you. Know, a, you know, they had that rich generation of players, but what they got out of it was the ability to you know buy a training ground and you know finish finish the stands and stuff like that. Aberdeen are, are exactly the same point really. Where not exactly the same point. They're, they're better for it, but you know aside from the Derek McInnes era, could potentially look quite squandered. Like you, he know, came second in a league that had just Celtic in it. And you didn't really ever really test them that much, and you picked up one trophy really early on in your career, and then you know the likes of Inverness and Ross County and Hibbs Hibbs won the Scottish Cup in that time. Like you, like uh,
2: I would point out, they they did get a training ground out of it, just just one name named after the egomaniac of a chairman.
1: So Dundee United will <laughs> uh, will will face Hibernian uh, in the other semi-final. Uh, that's going to be the Saturday kickoff, and in, uh, in in that the, that's going to be the Premier Sports game. They defeated Motherwell on penalties. Uh, so the third of the four games that went to penalties on Saturday evening, uh, a very strange game, I think, is is is, is a way to look at it. Um, Craig Fowler, what what were your impressions?
0: Uh, before I get to that, I'm going to just say right away while it's in my head that this would be, Hibs winning the Cup this year, would be much worse than, than 2016. And the reason for that... Is you the lost co- a bro on the way? No, no, no. Uh, yeah, losing uh, Hibs is much worse than uh, getting knocked out by some pish. No, it's because, can you imagine the content that will come out of Hibs' Twitter feed now that they've got the new, the marketing team in charge of the Twitter
1: feed if Hibs win the Cup? I mean, if you thought Hibs kicked the arse at like the 2016 Scottish <laughs> Cup win, I can, I cannot imagine the commemorative tap that we will be punting until kingdom come. Like it's, and like... engie market will have nothing on it,
0: and the horrendously out of place gifts. Like just oh, just Craig, un- it's not. Can we can we get? Can we talk about happy stuff? It will just be unbearable. I just can't. I've I'm already imagined it. i I'm have already. Just annoyed, can I can Just also as well, the week after the cup fight, I'm going to have a stag dude that's going to have loads of fucking Hibs fans in it as well. So that's uh, that's that's not good either. Uh, that's that's another possibility for things to go spectacularly wrong. Anyway, the game. Uh, I think it's it's fair to say that Motherwell Motherwell uh, have a little bit of sympathy with them and that without Jordan Roberts, uh, Tony Watt was only fit enough to come off the bench. In fact, to the day before the game, Graham Alexander said that he wasn't going to play, so that was even a bonus. He was going to be there. So there's two of their starting forwards out. And so I obviously thought, right, I'm going to be without these guys. So against Hamilton, they tried a 3 5 2 system. They got a win. To say it worked. Maybe a bit of a stretch, because they weren't very good against Hamilton, even despite
1: winning the match. But they'll, but they'll take a win over Hamilton, given, <laughs> given oh, yeah. how well, bad uh, they Yeah, it, exactly, yeah, that's, that's true, I the, suppose. Yeah, the, maybe, the, maybe it's a great performance. The means, the, means, the means justified the end, or whatever.
0: But he'd, I think he had trialled that with the Hibs game in mind, uh, and he used it against Hibs. Basically, matched it up man for man, and it didn't work at all. Hibs were easily the better team for... Seventy minutes, yeah, probably, (laughs) probably eighty-one minutes as well. Even after the the change formation, Uh, but they were starting to come into a little bit before the second goal, uh, and did look like they could possibly be a threat to equalise before Devante Cole's chance, which is around about sixty-one minutes. They really looked like they were going to do nothing in the game. Hibs were just so in control. Probably should have been up by more than a goal. Dodge missed a great chance after opening the scoring, but also in the first half. Hibbs did really have a a clear-cut chance in the first half, but I thought they wasted a lot of very good opportunities. Martin Boyle was having a field day down the right-hand side, just torturing Nathan McGinley. Uh, To be fair to Motherwell, without changing the system, they managed to tweak it a little bit at at halftime to keep Boyle a little bit more quiet. But even then, the goal, the opening goal comes from Paul McGinn getting too much space to to whip in a good cross. So even with with Boyle maybe getting more attention on him that that freed up McGinn to get forward for right centre-back. So, yeah, I, I wonder... In hindsight, whether Graham Alexander might think I should have just started in the 4-3-3. It caused Hibs so much problems the last time. It caused Hibs a lot of problems this time once Tony Watt came on and they switched to the system. I thought Motherwell, from Motherwell's first goal until the end of the game, Motherwell with a better side. Hibs had a, a flurry in the, the second half of extra time. I think they probably shaded that, but over over the piece, uh, I thought from, from Lamy scoring that, I think we must say, a jammy
1: a goal. I thought he scored a pass. He
0: scored a yeah, pass. Yeah. pass. I thought for them forward, by uh, the way, better team. And whether Alexander might have just been better, maybe trying, I mean, you've got the extra subs, just maybe trying an extra forward by committee, starting with uh, Lawless is similar. He's not got a lot of fitness. Maybe starting Lawless as one of the forwards, maybe swapping him with Walt after an hour. Maybe give a Jake Hasty run out. Maybe just use three guys. We just have the system that prior at Easter Road worked very well and you've been using a lot this year and has been working well. Because had Motherwell started the game, had Tony Watt been fit enough to start the game on the evidence of what happened after he came on, I think it's fair to say that we might not be necessarily talking about him being in a semi-final
1: yeah I think I think that's a fair um, a fair comment used to be like there was a, a line about there's never a team I think it was about Verona there's, a, there's never a team more terrified than Verona defending a one goal lead and I'm updating that now to there's never a team more terrified than Hibs defending a two goal lead <laughs> Because <laughs> it's just a, like it, it's, it just hits that sweet point of oh yeah, this is a huge. We should win this, right? We yeah, this, well, we have this huge advantage. Oh no, right? We're we're, it's,
0: we're it is mental. how Often you just make it unnecessarily hard on yourselves.
2: Yeah, I, I, but I was sitting here in this podcast. It must have been over a year ago talking about the fact that under Jack Ross, like Hibs, constantly seem to shit themselves when they go two 0 up. Um, I think they obviously they, they kind of started off one of these earliest games in the 2-2 draw with Kelly where the hips played us off the park and then we scored twice in the last 10 minutes. It was very similar to this game and he's had another bunch of games where he's either done it or came very close to doing it and I don't know what it is about the way that, that Ross sets up his teams or whatever it is but for everything else that they, they do so well it's like as soon as, as soon as that second goal went in it was like they never had a kick of the ball. Because yeah. I thought, yeah, Motherwell were insipid. Like, it was such a, you know, quarterfinal of the Cup to go and play like that. It's just, you know, yeah, Hibs are better than you, but it, it, had they gone out of the Cup other than the way they did, like, you would have been raging as a Motherwell fan. Um, and then they, they come back into it. But yeah, Hibs, you you look at them, you think it's such a composed performance. You can see where that team is going. You can see that, you know, there's positions that, that can definitely be upgraded for Hibs, but fundamentally like they've built a really strong team and a team that I think has the capability to kind of be, you know, the third force long term, you know, taking over what Aberdeen have been doing. Because you look at the the players they've got and the way that they're making astute signings. And okay, yeah, you've got the, the odd Dre Wright signing in amongst that who um, I'm sure will be at Rugby Park if Kelly stay up. But um just, just feels inevitable. But the the type of um the type of business i have been doing has been very good Ross knows what he's building he's building a team that can play with a back three and a back four he's got players who are really adaptable for doing things like that and so you can go right this guy knows what he's doing so why does it why has he been in charge for what two years or nearly two years or 18 months or whatever it is and still as soon as they go 2-0 up it's like it's like they, they play like a different team
1: there is a, a there's something strange about his, his game management you know that even before Hibs got the second, the, the team was tiring a little, and yet he still he went another uh, you know, fifteen minutes, almost uh, at least before uh, twenty minutes, at least you know, before making a substitute, um, which you know, given that Motherwell were coming off eight days rest and Hibbs uh, Hibbs had played the previous Sunday, okay, albeit against Renard, but there's still travel involved, and, and 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 what what like like it just, it did seem uh, you know quite. Uh, an unnecessary way of 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 um, burdening the team that, w- w- that he could have just shut up shop, but that just seems to be not within his gift. I don't know at the moment. It's it's I'm simultaneously uh, loving and hating this <laughs> hating this team at the moment because there is a lot to like about it, but then there's also, as you said, Jay Wright, Melko Halberg, etc., that come on and. You know, it's not their fault they're getting picked, but they're, they're being asked to do jobs that, that's that's not they're not capable of.
2: He's not a manager that seems to change games to his favor when he makes subs. I think that would be fair, and maybe that's a lack of squad depth, as you say, because you're you're having to rely on those kind of guys. But yeah, it's just that you think you can come back to the cup cup semi final when he inexplicably put uh, Sean Mackey onto the pitch. Just stuff like that. It's like, wh- wh- where is this coming from? Like, why are you doing these types of things? And it, it nearly spoiled what, what I think. If if as I say, if it finishes two and at it's a really comprehensive, controlled performance, and and that's what the story should have been. And then instead, there's like more doubts kind of come creeping. Um, on the Motherwell side, I, I forgot to mention it. I thought, um, particularly in extra time, it was a, it was an absolutely fantastic performance from Stephen O'Donnell in that right hand side. He just it's not there's not many players that that give Doig the kind of you know tough time that he had to the point that, that obviously Stevenson came on in that game. Um, he that I, I mean I've watched him long enough to know he's capable of that, but he's not done it very much for Motherwell. But but you can see, I think they should be very pleased to get him for another two years, because um, I think he'll, he'll go on to to do the business for them. And I think, especially being coached by Alexander himself, another he's been coached by two right backs. He's been very lucky in that respect. Um, I I think you saw what he can offer Tony Watt. Likewise, will have the makings potentially of a strong team for. Going forward as well, and I think Alexander, despite you know being critical of how he, how they played um, in the first eight of this game, I think he knows what he's doing. I, I don't, I don't think he's going to be a great manager, but I think he's going to be a steady manager, which is probably fine.
1: I think recruitment's just going to be the will be the making of Motherwell next season. Uh, there was also the other point I was going to make about Hibbs. Just going back to them yeah, briefly, is that in a very opposition of finishing third. Uh, potentially, you know, one of the be- your best finish since two thousand and five, uh, and yet it's still feeling like a disappointing season because of what has been, what what opportunities have been there. I mean, I don't, I, I generally do think St John's are favourites for the cup, um, but Hibs are not that far behind them. And Hibs I could have
2: won three cups this season, quite, quite uh, feasibly. Um, you know, and strangely enough, because they should have beaten Hearts, and and you, you saw Celtic were there for the taking on final day. And and they should have they should have beaten um, at the time that was kind of when St. Johnson just kind of came into their own. But Hibbs are big favourites in that semi final as well, and would we definitely have beat Livy in the final. And um, we, we know that from past experience, don't we, Duncan? Um, and then <laughs> uh, yeah, they could feasibly have won three three cups in in the space of you know six months, and and instead it does as you say it does feel like the success of the season hangs on them winning the Scottish Cup, which
1: which is could be the case? Because it's,
2: it's been a great season.
1: Can we just talk about Ryan Porches? I you know my feelings on Ryan Porches. He's he's absolutely fantastic and has got balls of steel. It's it's not it's not me that you have to convince Fowler. Duncan, some of us can spot a
0: player and some of us
1: are good with pop culture references. <laughs> yeah, as if Craig Telfer is listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> I was also digging out Sean as well, to oh, be fair. Yeah.
2: Sure. The, the, Mainly love. Sean. <laughs> I think I've, I think he, he kind of um, I've talked before about him being like um, Pepe and Sergio Ramos and that being the type of centre back he modelled his game on and, and again both of them very good at penalties as well so um, he, he's yeah that's the thing like he's not
1: he he does have flaws in his game but that's why he's at, that's why he's at hips like you know like that's like if he was if he if he eliminated those mistakes then he would. You, without hyperbole, be playing at a very, very high level.
0: If he didn't, if he didn't make, if he was a with everything else, he today's game. If he was a set of half who was very reliable and didn't make any mistakes over the course of a season, or, or barely any, like the brain farts I mean, more than he, him. Aye, yeah. he would be worth about fucking six million pounds, like at least. I'd, I'd,
1: I'd put another zero on the end of
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that, that that challenge you made on Chris Long, where it just looked. Especially the way the game was going as well, like you just, you just thought Long's going to take a touch here and he's going to bury this and this is this is going to be Hibbs' capitulation complete. But he just, I mean, I was at the game and he just seemed to appear for nowhere. Uh, then it's just a, a phenomenal tackle.
2: There was a definite hesitation from Long. I think it's something he's guilty of quite a lot. He, he wants a lot of time when he has these chances and, and yeah, but it's it's a it's a phenomenal um, bit of defending and I think I think as you say he's. Um, He's a big game player as well, Portis. You know, he, he does show up. He does show up on the occasion. The attitude is fantastic. I think you heard that in the 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 podcast that that um, he did with us. Obviously, that um, he's not your kind of typical footballer in terms of how he thinks about anything. And you know, he he definitely is kind of willing to be his own man and all that stuff and i think that that type of attitude i think it's probably becoming more prevalent in this generation of young players to be honest and, and i think that can only be a good good sign for for our game going forward
1: well i think that's a perfectly fitting upbeat note to leave this podcast on uh as you can probably hear from our voices we've we have been uh delighted to be talking about uh four entertaining cup ties which uh Sometimes, I'll be honest, when we have to do the recap of the weekend's games, not always uh, that much fun to go through, even when sometimes when it's just five minutes off some teams. It can be pretty awful, but that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to skip over to the Patreon, that's patreon.com forward slash podcast to discuss, amongst other things, actually, the whole thing we're going to talk about is the fact that from next season, it's going to be the Premier Sports League Cup. Uh, which which should be interesting, and I'm sure we've got thoughts on that. Uh, before we go, that's basically. I don't know why I said before we go because we are about to go. Uh, if you want to say goodbye, Craig Anderson, <laughs> <G-d-o>. <laughs> if you want to say goodbye, it, it's in this Craig podcast, it's Fowler, <laughs> goodbye. And I'm Duncan Mackay, and I really shouldn't be trusted to do outros. Bye bye. <laughs> well,
0: I'm fucking still shiting them after all these years. So. <laughs>